What's up, guys? Tim Whitaker here. Just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Um, this one was a special one for me because I felt like we had um, a couple on that was willing to go into some deep issues and get real and honest and vulnerable with us um, on this episode. So I wanted to preface this one a little bit and just say that we deal a lot with pornography addiction and we deal a lot with um, how that affects a couple in a marriage. Um, and I really appreciated having Manny and Michelle on this week's episode. I also wanted to say that, that we are actively working on fixing some of the sound issues that we have been experiencing the, uh, the past few weeks. So that is something that we are working on. Um, you know, this thing for us, as nice as we try to make it, you know, we still do this in our spare time whenever we can. So finally, I wanted to thank you guys so much um, for even tuning in, even listening to this stuff. You know, Rob, Jordan, and I are always shocked when we see how many people actually listen to this thing. Um, and we're honored that you guys um, allow us into your cars, into your living rooms, into your headphones, um, and allow us really to speak our thoughts and opinions into your into your ears and into your heads. So thanks again, guys, for listening. Um, if you like the podcast, please continue to share it. This is all really just word of mouth. We love doing this. We love being able to have a podcast. It's a blast for us. Um, enjoy this week's episode. Give us your feedback. And thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everyone, for now, what, the fourth or fifth time I must have said this uh, to the Coffee Theology and Jesus podcast. I am your host, Tim Whitaker, joined by three lovely people that I'm looking at directly because our microphone system once again took a poop. And so if anyone, if anyone wants us to have a better microphone system, you could make it happen. <laughs> Absolutely. You can definitely... Um, yeah, you can definitely donate to our podcast. So I, uh, I'm joined today by Jordan Renault. Hello. Michelle Capizzi. Hi. And Manny Capizzi. What's up? Now, the best part about this is that Jordan and Michelle are siblings. So at this point, I've had yep. close to half your family on the podcast. That's true. But the elusive no. one... Close. Close. A third. A third. How many siblings do you guys have? There's nine total. There's nine total, right? But if I want to do the whole Renault family, I have to get your mom on. That's that's the elusive prey. That, that is the Moby Dick. You know, right there. If I can get your mom on, I've officially luck. succeeded. And talking about raising Gretchen. Children. And Gretchen. But yes. Gretchen and I are good friends now because I'm paying her to do my wedding. So, in my opinion, the least she can do is come on the podcast for an interview. So, so you can add you know. her to your collection. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> So listen, guys, I just want to hop right into it because, frankly, it's been over an hour of fiddling with this stupid <laughs> microphone system, and I am just impatient as always today. So I want to hop into a few things that we do normally. Uh, first thing, Jordan, what coffee are we drinking today? Uh, Ethiopia from Starbucks. Hold on. Let me uh, let me validate that one second here. Slurp into your mic. <sighs> yes, that is definitely Ethiopia, no doubt. I know that that distinct coffee flavor. That's a joke. I have no. I have no clue. It could really be Folgers for all I know. But I knew it was a joke. I'll take your word at it or on it. I'll take your word for it. For it. There it is. There it is. Um, all right. Coffee's out of the way. Let's hop into my brand new but not so new segment, Christians in the News. This is. I'm excited about this one, guys, because as you know, almost a week ago now, um, there was a certain uh, game that was televised nationally. Um, a game called football. No. I know. I know. It's a big deal. And the, uh, croquet championship. Yes, yes, the croquet championship. <laughs> That's exactly. Big croquet players, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
there was, uh, of course, the coveted, you know, Super Bowl halftime show happened this this year. But apparently, and I'm, I'm being honest, this went over my head. Apparently, it was a big gay agenda kind of thing. Because apparently, they're under fire from conservatives and Christians alike for Coldplay being, having like a pro-gay agenda. And apparently, Christians are all up in arms about that. I really, honestly, did not see that. I didn't. Did you guys see that? Because I truly did not. I saw it. <laughs> well, okay. What did you see, Michelle? Tell me. Well, they definitely had the whole rainbow going on, believe in love. He said it better than me. What did you say? I said, when they panned out, they showed the, the, the crowd in the stands, and it was they showed the rainbow, and it said, believe in love. And that's when I said, oh, when I like leaned to her, and I was like, wow, that's not in your face. I mean, it's just what I saw. It was one yeah, of those baby. things that I'm. I don't know. You know, I just see, but I would like to think usually I see those things, but I, I don't. Maybe I was so enamored with the actual performance because I thought Bruno Mars was. Well, great. you're a musician, and I love so. Coldplay. So I, yeah, that's probably true. But uh, man, cool. like I, I, I thought '60s hippie theme. That's what I thought. I'm like, man, it's like a throwback to the yeah, '60s. Very I kind of dig it. Mm-hmm. And because it was like a throwback show in general, like the 50th Super Bowl, mm-hmm. they did the whole like homage. Well, that to the makes other sense. Shows. It does make sense, but but I don't know. Yeah. I guess so. They were in San Francisco. I just so. wonder again, like, do Christians need to be so vocal about it? Like, who cares? I just, I just don't <laughs> I care. I don't think it's that big a deal. Well, it's I don't a completely it secular sporting event. Like, it's not... Right, but then you it's have... It's not like it was at a church service. But then something. you have, like, the Matt Walshes, the guys who write, you know, these Christian bloggers who have a huge public voice who just got to say something. I just don't understand why. Like, it's a public, secular event that a non-Christian band's performing at that, honestly, like, I guess the rainbow would be the biggest, like, statement, but... it's a rainbow to me like in that context I just did not see it like I almost feel like okay if you're going to see a rainbow as always a gay thing then like does that mean that you can never use a rainbow for anything like if if I made if I painted my car a rainbow I would definitely think you would come on (laughs) (laughs) well you'd have to put mystery machine on it oh yeah yeah. so it's I mean if we're going I I just feel like now if I do rainbow anything if if I wear tie-dye socks that are rainbow colored People are going to go, well, what's Tim trying to say subliminally? Like, nothing. I just happen to like a rainbow. I like seeing all the colors in a rainbow. Avalon, testify to love, people. All the colors of the rainbow. It's one of the first oh lyrics gosh, ever. I can't believe you're well, bringing that up. Oh, yeah. I brought it back. Well, I'm colorblind, so I really can't see all colors in a rainbow. So I just, I saw, like, gray or green or blue. No, I don't even know because I can't see the colors. Oh, so. my goodness. Well, yeah. anyway, I don't know. To me, it was just one of those things, again. I know that people are upset with Beyonce as well with... Again, right. even that, I had no clue that it was a Black Panther. That's a lot more subtle, I think. I no that was. I, someone brought it up. I had no idea until I was listening to the radio, and they were like, oh, they were doing this. And I said, really? I didn't notice. Wasn't even paying attention. Yeah. I just noticed she almost fell. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, everyone saw that. But I'll tell you what, she recovered well. Very well. I mean, very well. Like, well, you, tried, that a new you tried doing that in heels. <laughs> I got to give it to performers like Beyonce, even Bruno and Coldplay. I mean, they do that for a living. They they really have it down. Because that show, mm-hmm. I loved it. And I loved also, I might add, um, the second half when they, what's the one song that Coldplay started out with with that crazy guitar part that's kind of like emotional? Um, tears shooting um, down your face. Oh yeah, it's uh, what's I it called? The name of the song. But um, they had like the the, the the like the montage of like other uh, past Super Bowl yeah, uh, performers. Yeah. They had Michael Jackson that there. Part, oh, yeah. that part was I good. thought that it was, was great. Cool. Just really like mm-hmm. tasteful and really well done. So <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's my segment for Christians in the news because <laughs> I saw that and I thought, of course, like. <laughs> 
Duh. Like, of course, someone's <laughs> going to complain about this and it's going to go viral. There's so. always something to complain about. There is. There is. I don't know there? that that's a new thing. I think just all of us knowing that there's people complaining about it is a new thing. Yeah. Because of social media. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. So anyway, well, let's, let's just hop into our main topic today. Michelle and Manny, first off, thank you for joining us on this episode. Um, Thanks for having us. Yeah, definitely. Of course. I know that for our listeners out there, this is going to be the last episode in a really now four-part series on relationships, on marriage, um, on all that kind of stuff. And I've been with Rob now. We had um, we had the uh, we had Sarah and Julia on a few episodes ago. We had Russell on last episode. So to kind of button everything up, I wanted to get a couple on who's been married for a few years, has a few kids, and just kind of hear about you know your perspective on marriage because you really are in places that a lot of us and you know I'm not definitely I'm not even married yet. You know Jordan's still newer in marriage, but you guys are kind of ahead of us a little bit. You have kids. You kind of been living together now for some time, you know, and so I wanted to bring you on to have your perspective on what that looks like. So let me just start out with just some of the basic questions to get kind of all of our listeners, including myself, really informed. How did you guys end up meeting? How long ago how did you guys get married? How did you meet? Give me the story. Give it to well, me loudly. Okay. Well, we we actually met from two friends of ours. I My friend Rob married her friend Suzanne and... It, the backstory with that is kind of funny because no, we're not that today. you know okay <laughs> I was just informed we're not sharing that but that's okay um, <laughs> it's too much it's mutual <laughs> happy wife is a happy life remember that um, podcast I mean, over <laughs> <laughs> that's all time we got that's about as much wisdom as I'm gonna give you today anyway no but we we met through them or whatever and we we started dating and you know it was rather quickly. Well, it was a blind oh, date a, too, basically. Oh yeah, it was a blind date. Yeah, that was yeah, that was kind of funny. Because okay. <laughs> that that whole that whole day was funny. Like my glasses broke. So. Wait, so you guys first met yeah, on a so blind really date? Yes. Blind. Oh, hold on, time out. Hold the bones, <laughs> Michelle. Your first impression of Manny. Go. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah. Great, thank you, Michelle. Manny, that, your first impression of Michelle. <laughs> uh, you don't want to hear that here. <laughs> Band-aid on my nose because my glasses were broke. So I had a band-aid across my <laughs> he nose. Yeah, he looked ridiculous. <laughs> it was so bad. Like the glasses were all round and I have a round face and it just round on top of round is usually not. <laughs> you know, it was just it was it was bad. And I was like, man, she is not gonna fall for me, like even a little bit. <laughs> not even a little bit. And it was oh good. Eight years and two kids later. <laughs> Ta-da. <laughs> all right, so you guys met in a blind date. Um you were one step short of having a fanny pack and sunscreen. <laughs> You had the, you had the, I'm picturing Manny comes in with awkward glasses, you know, the bandit on the nose, like already missing the fanny pack and high socks at that point, you know, to complete the picture. So. High socks, yes. Fanny pack, never. <laughs> well, I'm glad you have standards, Manny. But it's so convenient. <laughs> Not many, but I do have a few. <laughs> cool. So you guys ended up meeting, and then, so go on from there. So your first blind date, obviously it worked out. Um, yeah, like we had, our, we had our first blind date and everything, you know, and then, you know, I... When we when we left, I asked her for a phone number. She gave it. I called her the next day, which is apparently a faux pas. I'm doing hand quotations just so you know. Um, but uh, I might have even no, said that low. But but I called her the next day, and we talked for like three hours. And then I didn't call her for two days because you know I had to work. Had to go to a funeral, to go to a funeral something and something. So I'm like, okay, or whatever. But yeah, I mean, then you know, then we you know we started dating, and then. Um, we talked on the phone a lot. A lot. We talked a lot on the phone. I mean, we must have 
gone through our whole life in like three days because we talked for like three, four hours at a, at a clip. Did so. you guys live close to each other? Were you farther apart at the time? Um, not really. I mean, we only lived about maybe 20 minutes apart, but our 13. schedules. 13.2 miles. Wow. <laughs> he, That's drove, romantic. he drove that a lot. <laughs> um, our schedules were just weird because of our jobs at the time. I was working retail, so I was working a lot of nights. And he was working, well, he was retail too, but it was different, so it was daytime hours. So our just schedules didn't really work out that much. So. Okay, gotcha. So you were on. So now we're at the point where you're having these phone conversations for hours at a time. Mm-hmm. And we just we just really just started talking about like a lot of stuff and and everything. And I we're actually two very different people. Like she comes from a, a of a from a very good okay. background and everything. A good like from a good Christian family. Me not so much. You know there was a lot of issues in my life growing up and everything. You know I didn't meet Christ until I was 15. And, you know, I got saved, saved then and, you know, struggled after that or whatever. But we came from two different places, you know. And, you know, once we started talking and I was just like, you know what, I got to come clean to her. I got to just let her know some of the struggles I've had, some of the issues in my life that have, like, really affected me and kind of, you know, stunted me, my growth a little bit and everything, you know. And, and again, as I, you know, was telling her this, I'm like, man, she's going to hang up on the phone. She's going to be like, what a weirdo. This, I'm not talking to this guy no more. And lo and behold, she called me back and we continued to talk. So, <laughs> yeah. So you're saying essentially that, um, so you came, so I guess you started kind of letting her know, like, hey, just so you're aware of what you're walking into before yes. you even really went too far down that path. Right. Kind of out of respect, I guess, for her, letting her know, listen, mm-hmm. just so you're on the same page, there's some stuff that I got in my closet that is probably going to come out that you're, you know I'm going to have to deal with at some point, but just so you, you're aware of that. Yeah. I mean, I figured I'd let the door hit her in the face sooner rather than later. Right. <laughs> fair, fair, so. fair. He was very honest with me from the get-go. I mean, I don't think you dumped all of it at once. But you pretty much told me everything early on in our relationship, like like you said, out of respect. Um, and I think that honesty is something that has kept our relationship strong from then till now. Because he's, whether he had something he was struggling with and needed to confess it shortly thereafter, he, he's not good at lying to me. <laughs> So right. he's always just been really honest and upfront about his struggles with me, and that's been crucial to our relationship. All right, so you came, you you let her know pretty early on, and so what did you, I mean? We don't have to go. We'll we'll come back to the struggle side of things, but essentially, I'm guessing that you said, okay, well, I'm going to walk through you know through this with you, you know, as much as I can. Is is that probably correct in saying that? Yeah, and he told me almost right away why because he was going to counseling when we met he was at the tail end of some counseling because of his pornography addictions and he was so he told me about that I actually even went to one of his last sessions with him okay and met his counselor and it was very informal it wasn't like he right right like deep kind of stuff right absolutely at the time but um I remember a point in our relationship where he told me that he had kind of fallen back into that a little bit. And this was months down the line. I think we had actually already gotten engaged. Mm -hmm. And he basically said, look, I'm struggling with this still. Um, 
this is not something that I'm going to just get over in a few months. Um, and this is all what happened. And he laid out what he'd been dealing with. And I basically decided then and there, yeah, I'm going to walk through this with him because I knew it wasn't something that was going to go away overnight or in a year or two or possibly ever. Right. So, so let's fill in those gaps between uh, when you first started dating till that point. So you went to counseling, you finished your counseling, Manny, yes. right? Yes. And then, so you guys really started dating. And I, I was, I remember that because, you know, for our listeners out there, Michelle and I, actually, I think out of all the Renaults, I've known you the longest, Michelle. Probably. Or, or one, yeah, definitely at least one of them because we were part of the same nonprofit Christian group that did a lot of children's ministry. Yes. And that's how we got involved as even just friends. You, you know? were one of my students. I, I was, <laughs> yes. We don't need to say that publicly, but uh, <laughs> I guess it's out there now. Yeah, no, I was, absolutely. And so I remember, you know, when you guys started dating I remember you know things moved and I mean hindsight 2020 at the time it would seem quick but now we see it was definitely an appropriate thing it was such, such a god thing but you guys started dating and then well for everybody to know we're older right quite a bit older than you guys sure and older when we started our relationships so I think we both had a much better idea of what we were looking for in someone we knew ourselves better we'd made some We'd had you had more relationships than I did. We're not talking about that. <laughs> um, Different podcast. Whether it, was, <laughs> whether it was friendships or dating relationships, we'd been through some of that already, and said, you know what, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. And all that phone conversations and all that talking we did early on is what really helped us see, yeah, this person is right for me. Right. And I think we dated for about four or five months before we got engaged, but mm-hmm. we were talking about it before then. Sure. So so at this point, though, during those four to five months, you know, you were, there was no struggle at that point, Manny, with like pornography or anything? Like that was like a, a, a good period of, of time? No. I had struggled with it the whole time and everything. You know, when, when you're when you're addicted to something, you're never not addicted anymore. You're you're recovering. You're you're always battling it. You're always fighting it. You're always pushing back against it, and you're always succumbing to it at some point. You know, I mean, you hear you know, like alcoholics a lot of times say, you know, it's like, oh, I'm a recovering alcoholic, and you know, I've been you know 95 days sober or whatever, and then they'll fall off the wagon. And everything, and that's the same thing with any with any addiction. You know, you you have to count how many times you win a battle, and everything. And the more times you win a battle, the easier it is to win the next one. But when you that one time when you fall, it gets harder to win the next one. Yeah. So while you were dating, did you? I mean, it sounds like what you said was that at some point when you got engaged, you kind of you kind of said, "Listen, this is still an issue in my life." So in between that that time, were you was that kind of a personal battle that like you were fighting alone by yourself without Michelle at all, or was she in on that on, on that conversation? Well, she she knew I knew about it. Yeah, she knew about it um, and whatnot. But, but we were still dating. I wasn't like. Sure helping him with his struggle in any way yet whether I mean other than maybe praying for him which Mm -hmm. is key Mm -hmm. Um, but at that point our relationship was not one where I could do anything I didn't we didn't live together a lot of the things that you can do to help someone who struggles with that involves living with them Mm -hmm. 
So okay, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, so we'll so it wasn't like a hidden thing, Manny. She was aware, but yes. you weren't walking together yet because you just weren't there yet. I didn't know all right? the you details. You only go so far when you're dating, either. especially in, in you know dating so seriously in just a few months. It's a lot to move move into so yes. quick. It just takes time. It's the natural mm-hmm. rhythm of, of a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So now you guys get engaged, and then that's when you have this other conversation. Like, listen, this is what's going to happen. Are you willing to almost take that? that journey with me right yes yeah Yeah. it was shortly after we got engaged yeah i remember literally having the ring off because i took it off at night because i just wasn't used to wearing it yet (laughs) sure and i remember getting up that next morning after our conversation and literally like deciding to put it back on Mm. and deciding whether i was going to go give it back to him or if i was going to put it back on so obviously i put it back on well yeah obviously you know (laughs) I want to ask you this, Michelle, because as a male, I definitely understand the pornography addiction side of of that side of the relationship. I understand what that struggle was like because mm-hmm. I'm a guy. I've experienced it. I get it. On a female side, though, that's where I have no idea. So, like, how how would you describe like having you know walking through you know that that journey with someone who who's open about it and knows that hey this is not what I want in my life at all but I need help overcoming it how does that affect you as far as like you know you know when, when he viewed pornography what was that feeling like to you as far as a female goes um, I think for me my experience is a little different than maybe most women I've read a lot of articles about how it affects women how they feel about it, how they feel worthless, how they feel less loved, how they feel like their husband is choosing pornography over them. Right. Um, And for me, it's not that exactly. And I think the biggest part of the thing is, and this ties back to the fact that we were older when we met and we started dating and everything, um, because we had kind of figured out who we were. Our My identity was not in him and in my relationship with him my identity was in Jesus Christ so him looking at pornography wasn't a reflection on me or his love for me or anything like that and I still don't feel that way to this day does it bother me yes of course but it's not something that I feel is him choosing that over me or is it sin is it wrong yes but and I think I think a lot of women, so many women have so many insecurities and we, it's whether it's that or whether it's their body issues or so many different insecurities that women have that for your husband or your boyfriend or whoever to say, I am not being sexually satisfied by you. So therefore I must watch pornography is very demeaning it it makes us feel like we're not enough and that's one of the biggest struggles for women is feeling like i am not enough and honestly the only reason that it hasn't bothered me and and beat me down more than it has is because of my relationship with christ Mm. we would probably not be married anymore if it weren't for that Mm. um because it continues to be a struggle in his life And I feel like women, in general, it uh, misunderstand pornography in a lot of ways, too. Because we don't see it as sin or as an addiction. We see it as 
my husband's picking this over me. Mm. We don't realize that it is like alcohol or drugs. It does have the same scientific effect on the brain as those things. So it is literally an addiction. But on top of that, it is sin. Mm. So therefore, the offense is against God first and foremost, not me. And yes, it is offensive to me, but it's mostly against God. And on top of that, it's also a sexual thing on top of that, which is another layer of that's of, you know, I I feel like whenever it comes to any kind of sexual sin or, you know, deviation from how, you know, it was designed to be, it's that much more um, just um, intense and it's that much more weighty because of the nature of sex and how naturally bonding it is for two Mm -hmm. individuals, you know, so I can, you know, you put it in really good words because as a guy, and I'm sure many would agree, like it has nothing to do with that (laughs) in our heads. You know, it has nothing Mm -hmm. for me to do with, you know, that, that my wife is not enough. It has nothing to do with that. It's like, man, like you said, it's, there have been times where it's just like that addiction feeling of like, I don't know why I'm looking at this right now. I'm just doing it. And you want the next high. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. And the high has to get, better and better because that's how your brain works and that's why a lot of people that get addicted to pornography get into the deviant side of it and the I've read a lot of articles about this Um, they get into the more and more twisted more and more perverted perverted forms of sex not just men and women but all kinds of crazy stuff sure absolutely well a lot of the statistics out there now that are coming out you know one thing i will say that i i really um i'm seeing more and more is that even secular culture is coming out more and more against pornography because now that these studies are being done they're finding how it's like you said michelle it's physically changing the brain it's changing the way it's wired for sex it's changing the way it's wired for intimacy it's changing the way that that men respond to women and women respond to men so definitely this is more this is a growing pizza delivery guy is not going to show up and just really oh (laughs) (laughs) you're absolutely right you know and yes exactly all these all these um different fantasies for lack of a better term that are fulfilled in pornography are in real life are not that way and think about if a teenage guy is only seen this and then he gets married in his mid-20s and right. that's all he's experienced mm-hmm. he's gonna have a completely distorted view of women in general sex and marriage and relationships and everything it's yeah. completely distorting Absolutely. our society is so saturated with pornography with sex with you know i with with the female body and all this other stuff i mean you look at tv shows that are out there tv shows that i watch that you know that i enjoy watching but they get they get to a certain point in there and you're like oh my gosh i mean there's there's this person sleeping with that person who's sleeping with this person and somehow they find out that you know somebody had somebody's kid and all this other stuff you know but we're just saturated it's you know you drive down the street there's billboards that are all over i mean i remember when i was really heavily before i started going to my council when i really had given into yeah. my my sexual sin you know i mean it was like I'd have to I'd have to drive a different way to work because there was a billboard out that was, you know, that I couldn't look at because I had thoughts that I shouldn't be having, you sure. know, um, and everything, you know. So you, you have to do stuff to, you know, to 
go out of the way to not see these sort of things. And you have to make an actual commitment to say, you know what, I, I got to stop this. This is this is killing me more than anything. You right, know? right. So, yeah, absolutely. So let's get back to your story and keep weaving here. So you guys are now engaged. Man, you have this conversation with Michelle. What do you tell Michelle? What did that conversation look like? <laughs> I'm a dirtbag. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> well, at least, at least it's, it's blunt. I mean, I, I just came out and I just told her, I said, look, babe, I'm just, I struggle with this. It's been a struggle since, since I can remember, you know, and there were other things that led to my pornography addiction. I mean, I saw my first porn movie when I was five years old, you know, and, you know, there was, Again, there was things that happened prior sure. to that that led into that. But I mean, you know, my my very first memory was that of sex. You know, my very first memory. You know, and and I told her, I said, you know, I've been behind the eight ball since day one. Mm. You know, and I've had to figure this all out on my own. You know, I didn't have a father that you know was was there holding my hand and saying, no, son, this is not what we do. You know, this is not what a man does or anything like that. You know, I had to learn for the better part of my life. I had to learn all this stuff on my own, you know, and it was difficult. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm 12, 13, 14 years old trying to figure out, you know, is this right? Is, is this what women are? Is this what I'm supposed to do as a man? Is this, you know, the right thing to do, you know? And, you know, so I told her, I said, you know, I'm, I struggle with this. This has been a part of my life since I can remember. It's not a part of my life that I want. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, that was that was the main thing. You know, it's like I don't right. I don't want it. The problem was at that point in time was that my sin nature was was so hungry for my sin that I couldn't I I struggled with kind of starving it, you sure. know? Yeah. So absolutely. OK. So, I mean, you have that conversation. And so, Manny, as a guy now. What do you what do you start doing to like, you know? I guess for lack of a better word here, just kind of start protecting this relationship you have with Michelle because I, you know, like for instance, when you know, when I'm dating Sarah or I'm engaged to her, and it's like, okay, I've had to make drastic decisions in my life that were well worth it because I, you know, I never wanted porn to come back into my life. You know, I was for, fortunate enough to, you know, when Sarah and I were dating, that wasn't a major issue in my life. I want to keep it that way, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, well, what can I do now to keep it that way? And what sacrifices do I have to make? Because I told Sarah that I said, I'm, I don't want to lose you over a video. I don't want to lose you over right. thoughts that I can't control. Cause what, what a terrible trade, right? For something that isn't real for something that is real. So in your head, you know, or in your conversations, what did you, what did you guys start trying to figure out as far as ways for you? to just really be healed from this this past of yours that you know in some ways I mean when you're five years old it's not really your fault you know mm-hmm. but as you're an adult now now you start taking responsibility for these things mm-hmm. so how, how did you find that balance and what did you start doing to kind of start curbing that addiction in your life well one of the things that well first of all we really didn't attack this until after we were married okay there really wasn't anything that I could do other than just really hope and pray and just ask God to get me through each night and everything until we got married. When we got married, you know, we really didn't take it seriously. You know, we were just like, okay, you know, it's just something, you know, we kind of fell back into, you know, just, you know, we're going to pray, we're going to pray, we're going to pray. And that's not a bad thing. It's sure. not a bad thing. Right. But there's also other ways. You know, one of the things we did is we put uh, parental controls on our TV. All right. You know, I can't watch any movie 
over PG thirteen. Over PG thirteen. Like I can't really like, go on demand and rent like a sure. movie or whatever, sure. you know. Yeah. Which is perfect for me because I, given the opportunity, just because I know who I am, and I know how strong that that desire is for porn, I'll always choose to watch it. Even though I don't want to. It's not... I don't want to. It's like that verse in Romans where Paul says, what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I do. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, I'm That's a, pretty much an example of that. Yeah. You know? yeah. But I mean, we, we put the parental controls on. You know, I can't get on a computer or her computer without a passcode that I don't know. So I don't get on a computer. You know, I have he no lives emails. In the dark ages. I, I'm a caveman, yes. Uh, oh, oh. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> he totally is. He totally is. Oh, boy. That's um, great. You know, I, he does not have a smartphone either. No. He does not have a smartphone. No. I have a dumb phone. Um, but oh, let's I, pause I, right there. I, I can't fault you for having a smartphone, period. Because smartphones, to me, are the easiest way. To sneak off to look at anything you want because that phone's in your pocket all the time. Mm-hmm. It goes to bed with you, it wakes up with you. It's, it's everywhere you go. That that phone's there, and it's mm-hmm. it is very easy by accident. I, you know, we were talking about this on, on last week's podcast. Man, I have I've had to unfollow people more than ever on Facebook. I'm like, don't want to see that. Don't want to see that. Can't mm-hmm. see that. Not good for me to see. Well, that's exactly what you have to do. Is you have to make those little choices every day mm-hmm. to. Stay away from the things that hint at it so that you don't fall into the bigger things. Yeah. Yeah. And he like he said, I have all the passcodes to everything. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know them. He he will not unless he sees me type it in, which has <laughs> happened before. Right. And I change the passcode. Right. Mm-hmm. Quickly, right. that ask day. Right. <laughs> so, but I mean, we we that's how you safeguard yourself, you know. And and for me, that's a big weight off my chest because I would have to sit there and knowing that I can watch the movie or the show or whatever it is, you know. And I'm like, you know, I I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. But then, you know, you sit there and it finally just beats you up to the point where, like, you hear the voice in your head and it's like, do it. Do it. No one will know but you. No one will know but you. And then you're like sleeping. You know, it's like, and then you're like, well, I'll know, and God will know. Right. And eventually, she'll know because sin wants to be found out. Right. Sin does not want to be kept secret. Yeah. Sin is always trying to destroy you and 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 wreck your life. There was one time I think we'd been married for about two years, and he had been struggling a lot with it and kind of hiding it from me I think it was one of the times you were home in the summer mm-hmm. and I was working because yeah. his job laid him off in the summer that's right mm-hmm. and so he's home by himself all day I'm at work 10 hours a day with the baby yeah because Olivia was a baby Olivia that was, summer yeah and I could tell something was going on I could tell he was not acting like himself there was just he was his his demeanor and his attitude, everything was just off. I knew something was going on, going on. And I don't remember if I asked you about it multiple times or not, but he finally just was like, this is what's going on. But it took him a few weeks to actually say anything to me. And that's the longest you ever hid any of it from me. Yeah. Was that point in time. And that's when we upped some of the safeguards. Cause I think he had found out the password for the, TV, or maybe we didn't have it at the time. I don't, I don't remember. Think we had the, the password. And that's when we, yeah, I think that's when we started putting all those safeguards in, in place. How did that make you feel, though, as far as like trust in the relationship? 
Like, did that, did that, you know, because to me, I, I would think it would come back to that. Like, well, can, can I trust that you're not lying to me about these things? So how do you work through that as a couple? That was hard for a while. Yeah. Because he kept it from me for a few weeks. Right. Because every other time he'd been honest, he'd been up front. He, I'm struggling with this. I've been struggling with that. And ever since then, he's been up front, too. That was, the I think, the one and only time he really hid it from me. Um. But he also realized that he wasn't really hiding it from me because I knew that something was off. I could tell something was going on. And I remember just praying a lot for him and praying that God would just, whatever was going on, that God would just work in his life because I didn't really know. I just knew something was off. And that's crucial. That's a big thing that I think me as a wife or something that a girlfriend or a fiance or whoever can do, even if you can't, I mean... Most guys have their own computers, their own smartphones. We can't have the passcodes to everything. Um, that doesn't work for every couple. Sure. Um, so I think prayer is honestly one of the biggest things you can do. And you have to decide up front to be honest with each other and say, look, I am struggling with this. So down the line, if you and Sarah are going or if you're struggling with something like that, you have to tell her you can't hide it from her because it only Absolutely. is going to make it worse. No, you're right. And it also, I mean, there's been times where not maybe with pornography, but with other things where, you know, um, I didn't come clean right away or something. And it just ate at me. Like, it's just mm-hmm. like gnawing. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. my gosh, this is putting this divide. And Sarah's always told me, like, listen, I'd rather you just tell me. And even though it's going to hurt, it would hurt 10 million times more to know that you hit it. And then exactly. I find out a different way. You know, exactly. I, I know. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it's interesting because as you're talking about this, you're, you're talking about like the safeguards you put in place and things that really almost to like, almost to me kind of sound like crazy. And I don't mean in a negative way, but you know, like, like you don't know the passcodes to anything. You have no smartphone, but I'm thinking, you know, if this was a drug addict situation, you would safeguard your house and away for a drug addict. You right. know? So there's an addiction there that has to do with digital content. Yep. It makes complete sense that you would want to safeguard that person from from those temptations that, all, that are all over the place, you know? It's, it makes complete sense. And he has other support people in his life as well. I'm not the only one. His best friend checks up on him because he knows. He knows the past. He's known him his, almost his whole life. Mm-hmm. So he will say, how's it going with this? Yeah. How are you doing with that? And yeah. he's also one of the first people I would go to if Manny was not being upfront and honest or really struggling, I would go to his friend and say, you need to come over here and talk to him. <laughs> and as, cause as a friend of both of ours and as a brother in Christ, I can say to him, look, I need you to back me up on this. Yeah. Get over here and kick his butt. <laughs> yeah. Manny, how do you think for you, you know, as a, as someone who, who has really their whole life had this struggle that, you know, it's just crazy. And I, I totally get, especially in this culture, how do you think, how, how has that affected like your relationship with God? You know, like how does, is that like a tough, like, I know that I've struggled a lot with feeling forgiven for things. Like that's something I've just struggled with. Like, especially when you grow up in the church, I grew up in the church my whole life and you're kind of jaded to just hearing the same thing over and over <laughs> that Christ died for you. He forgives you. And then you have this like struggle that maybe you can't shake. And you're like, are you sure you forgive me God? Because I'm just going back to this consistently. That was something I really had to wrestle with and just had to really trust that God's grace was sufficient for me. Right. Even when so many times it did not feel sufficient. And I felt like really just like a big Christian poser. I felt that way, you know, like, God, I'm a fraud. Like you see all this how has that you know how have you gotten through those things or how do you wrestle with those things in your own head well 
one of the things that I have, when we, me and Michelle have talked about a lot of things, that I just came to the conclusion that it, this is just a thorn in my flesh. It's always going to be there. Not because it's a bad thing or a good thing, but it's there to always point me back to him, you know? And, you know, when you... When I, I look back at at all the times I sinned, all the times I watched pornography, all the times, I mean, the thousands of dollars that I lost and, and everything, because that's another big thing with the pornography industry. I mean, it's it, it doesn't only take your soul, your spirit and everything else, it takes your money, you know? So it's it's... It's not, even though it's, there are things that are said free, it's not free. It's, it, it's never free. Um, but it's always, it's always there. It's always there pointing me back to, to Christ and saying, you know what, you know, like you said, my grace is sufficient for you. You know, my, my mercy is never ending, you know, and, you know, I know that even though I'm struggling, I know that my, my, my salvation is secure in him because I have, I have the Holy Spirit in me and it's always convicting me. It's always convicting me, you know, and when I struggle with it, you know, I, I, I hear that voice in my head, you know, it's like, Manny, talk to me, talk to me, I'm here, you know, and, um, you know, when I, one of the one of the verses that uh, when I was going to counseling that I, I remembered that really stuck in me was, uh, I said I remembered, I can't remember it now. <laughs> well, you're, you're on the, <laughs> of all, all the pictures on you I right said, now, anyway, you know, of course. I think it's like for, it's First Peter one, and it talks about being sober in the spirit, preparing your mind for action, and everything you know. And it's it's being sober. It's it's trying to be clear and having clarity, you know. And and it, that's one of the things I say to Michelle all the time. Like you know, honey, I have a I have a moment of clarity right now. Do not give in to me. Do not give in to my desire to watch this or to do this. You know, I don't want to do it. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt God. I don't want to devalue my relationship. <laughs> I don't want to have to devalue my relationship with either one of you. You know, so I have this moment of clarity. Do not, you know, and usually like shortly after that, I'll get hit with a wave sure. where I'm 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 struggling or whatever and, right. and yeah. between her and God and everything. But my relationship with God is actually stronger because of my struggle, you know, and, you know, I, like I said, I, I look back at it and everything and I, I always see God there. You know, you never see God when you're in the midst of the struggle. When you're in the muck and the mire, you never see God there. When you look back, you can say, oh, yeah, there you were. I was not alone, you know, and I'm never alone. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's good. Um, I was just going to ask, like, as now, like, this journey that you've kind of come on and are still on, for sure, like, how does that change the way that you are going to, like, pour into, you know, your son's life, you know, as a father now? Um, like, how do you view that, I guess? Well, that's one of the things we talk about all the time. And, you know, I mean, my, what is it, the sins of the father, you know, I, uh, the, there's something that I, I, I don't know. I'm, they kind of carry down. It's, yeah, it talks it about carries that. down yeah. or whatever. And I, I don't want my son to go through what I went through. Mm. You know, I, I, I went through pure hell, mm. you know. And, you know, my my son is already, he's, he's almost four. And he's already worlds ahead of where I was, you know. And I want to keep it that way. And I just keep asking God to let me be the father that he wants me to be to him yeah. and help me to be to him the father that he needs. Right. 
Hmm. You know, and I mean the same thing with Olivia, with my daughter. You know, it's like I, I don't want to instill that part into them. You know, and when they get older, you know, I will share my story with them because I don't want them to be like go to like youth group or church where they're hey, sure. you know, it's like my dad said that you know when he was in youth group and Manny was talking and everything and he was this right. that and the other right. thing. You know, yeah. and they come home and they're like, Dad, what was this all about? Right. You know, I'm, you know, I'm taken right. aback by it, but <laughs> I want to be upfront and honest with them. You know, I'm. I don't want to hide anything anymore. You know, it's like, I mean, that when I hid that from Michelle, the, that moment that she was talking about it, it broke me. It broke my heart because I was hiding. I was, I, I felt like I was holding back a piece of my heart that she could not have, you know, and, and, and whatnot. So it just, I don't want to, I don't want my kids to watch this mess. I don't want my kids to be involved in it. I want to love my kids and, I want them to walk into a marriage relationship when the, when the time comes that they can be can be pure for their spouse. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You you said that, that that you met Christ later on in life, right, Manny? How, how old were you when you met Christ? I was fifteen. Okay. So did you get plugged into like like a, a church there right away, or did, were you kind of on your own for a little bit? I actually have been going to the church that I still go to now. Um, since 1986. Wow. And I, got, <laughs> I wasn't even born yet. Yeah. <laughs> I was negative two. I was a little sperm floating around somewhere. Hey, it's just the truth. I'm just saying. And We're talking about born. I say sperm. Everyone gets quiet. Like, how dare you say that? Dude? That's so irreverent. I'm just shocked. I just think so anyway. I just wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Um, so you've been there since 1986. I've been going off and on since 96. I okay. got saved in 92. Sure. Um, October 15th, 1992 at 11.47 p.m. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, specific. Yes, very specific. Right. Anyway. Um, but I mean, I, I got I got saved in, in 92 when I was 15 years old. Um, and there was a lot of people that I was, I was in youth group and there was, you know, I had my friends around me and stuff, you know, and, um, he was already yeah. involved in the church. Yeah. He'd been going to the church for several years gotcha. already. Mm-hmm. His best friend that I mentioned, yeah. he his best friend lived next door to Manny's grandmother when they were growing up. And Manny stayed at his grandmother's a lot. So on Sundays, he would go to church with them. And right. Okay. That's basically the reason he got saved is because of his best friend's family hauling his butt to church <laughs> because he was apparently, somebody called him a devil child or something. Wow. There you <laughs> are. Uh, the devil child. No, it was, I think the exact quote that Miss Compton said was, that boy is Satan's child. Do not let your children hang out with him. Yeah. Well, calling her out my name too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. sorry. Her social oh, security number is, <laughs> if you're listening, she lives on she passed away. She passed away. Oh, okay. so now, now she definitely heard it. She's probably she, gazing down. She was right. I was a horrible. He was horrible, a devil's child. Horrible human being. Well, let me ask you this. You know, I asked you that this question for a reason. So, so you get saved. You are, you're obviously already struggling with porn before you get saved. That's mm-hmm. you know because it was kind of a part of your whole life. Did you feel like the church was able to come alongside you that it was a safe place to be able to open up about this? Or did you feel like you had to hide it and it was like, no one can know because if they find out, I'm getting kicked out of here. Well, that's the funny thing. I opened up to everybody once I got saved. I just put it out there and said, look, I'm a dirtbag. I'm struggling with pornography and everything. You know, I, I just, I, I put it out there and he bucks I, the norm. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't like go around telling every girl that I knew that, you know, it's like, <laughs> like Hey, I'm struggling with pool. You know, it's yeah, like, probably a good I mean, thing. like, you know, I, I went to all my buddies. I went to my, my youth pastor at the time and, 
and everything. And I, I told them, look, I'm struggling with this. And I've always struggled with this, you know. And when I got saved, it was for that month that I was really on fire for Christ <laughs> and everything, you know. For those 30 days. For those 30 yeah. days, you know, I was a, there was clarity, yeah. you know. Sure, mm, absolutely. But I mean, like, you know, I, I opened up to people and I said, look, this is stuff I'm struggling with and I don't want to struggle with it. I know that this is going to turn into something really, really bad and everything. And even though I opened up and there were, there were a lot of men in the church, a lot of good Christian men yeah. who came alongside of me and became father figures to me and everything, you know, that stepped in the gap that was, and everything that was there, they stepped in, they filled in and they, they took me places. They came alongside me, prayed for me, you know, um, you know, just really good men that came alongside of someone who needed a father and put their arm around me and said, son, it's okay. So you really had, I mean, it sounds like they really said, it's okay. That's what they said. When you, is that what you're saying? Like you told them, listen, here's what's going on. I'm a dirtbag in your words, mm -hmm. right? I'm, I'm struggling with porn and they say, we're going to help walk. We're going to walk with you through this. Yes. Which is awesome because frankly, like we, you know, Jordan and I, we too often hear the opposite stories. You know, we, I know a lot of friends of mine who are no longer a part of the church and they have these stories of like, yeah, I told my youth pastor I was struggling with this and I got kicked out, you know, but to hear the opposite, to hear that, Hey, that, that you were just bold and said, you know what? Here it is, guys. Here's my junk. I'm a sinner. That's why I came to Christ in the first place. <laughs> and to hear the church say, yep, we figured you were cause we're all sinners. You know, like how can we walk with you through this? I think it's fantastic because you know the numbers don't lie statistically like most men and women now uh, as well have really are either have viewed pornography in the past or are, are currently struggling with it mm -hmm. yet it, by and large in the church it's still it's getting more and more out there i think it, i think the church is kind of being forced to face with it which is which is great Very good. um but it's still a little taboo it's still a little awkward to talk about but well, hearing your story about this really gives me hope that yeah that people are willing to say you know what it's okay mm -hmm. you're still welcome here you know we're all equal at the foot of the cross how can we help you through it well one of the things that that really helped me prior to me meeting her um was the fact that there was a there was a gentleman that came started coming to our church or whatever and i didn't know this at the time but he had the exact same past that i had and everything that i had struggled with he had and we were talking one time and i was i i told him i was like look i'm gonna put it bluntly i'm struggling with this that x y and z you know and everything and i said nobody understands what i'm going through nobody knows the pressure and the stress and the strain that's on me and he looked me dead in the face and he said manny i have the same past you have i struggle with, with these things i've had this happen to me you know what we'll walk through it together he was another guy that came alongside of me and everything and and at that moment i realized why I went through, why God allowed these things to happen in my life. Because at some point in time, I'm going to meet someone that's had the same exact past that I have. And I'm going to be able to go come alongside that person and say, you don't have to walk through this by yourself. I'm here. I know exactly what you're going through. I, I, I know how you're feeling. I know the stress. I know the temptations. And I'm going to walk you through this as best as I can. You know, and I'm going to be able to be there for somebody else. I'm going to be able to, you know, to use a term, pay it forward, mm -hmm. you know, and everything. And and that to me is comforting, you know, because it's not it's not about me and my struggles. It's about helping people through theirs, you know, and, you know, it's 
But I think you're right. I think the church so often doesn't do as much as they can. His story is not the norm. Mm -hmm. Most of the time you'll see other stories and we know other people who have had some of his close friends have had the same struggle and their marriages have fallen apart um, because either they didn't own up to it ahead of time or the wife thought she could fix him or somehow magically because they were married and having sex, it would all go away. Wait, you're saying (laughs) that if you have sex, your pornography addiction will not just go away. No. Nope. Okay. But it helps. <laughs> At least you're honest, man. Sorry. That's a good thing. Okay. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to. I'm, I'm done. We're good. <laughs> he was warned. Read before. He was warned. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Well, I, I, as you were saying, Michelle, I didn't, I didn't even cut you off. I, just, I had to seize the opportunity. So. I know. I know. I knew that was going to come up. <laughs> um, no, I think a lot of times because there's not honesty up front, because there's not someone walking alongside of the person that's struggling, because it's so often, like you said, in the church, it's this taboo subject. It's not talked about, whereas pretty much almost every Christian man has probably watched pornography at some point or another. And I would venture to guess that a lot of them are addicted to it. Mm. They just aren't honest with themselves or their wives or their girlfriends or whoever. And they're not, whether it's a heavy addiction like his where he just couldn't live without it, or it's a, so I watch it two or three times a week or I, or once a week or once a month or whatever. I've dabbled. What? Yeah. yeah, it's it. Right. You have to that if that level of honesty isn't there and his boldness to say, I am struggling with this. I need help. And I think that's the first and foremost thing is you have to admit to yourself that you need help. Well, I mean, isn't that where we all have to start with any of our sin, though? I do. Is that I it's wrong. Think, I need help. I think that Manny is fortunate, Michelle, because you understand that. I think a lot of guys are just afraid to tell their wife because they're afraid that she's going to flip out. And just say, how could you, you know, all this really, I yeah. use the word judgment here because I, I hate overusing that word, but all this judgment, you know, and then you feel even worse. Like Because well, a lot of times women don't understand it either. Right. We don't understand the pull because to us, it's disgusting. It's right. gross. Right. It's not a turn on in any way. Well, let me, let me say this. It's disgusting for me too. Mm. You know, it, mm. it's not something I... I want to do right. It's no. Very, I'm talking like, the I, actual. I know what you're saying, but so you're saying like even naturally, it's not for most women. It's not really a turn on, even though I, they're, they're, there's a growing number. They say statistically, you know, and yeah. There, you know, I know. I'm sure there's some oh. women on the podcast. Someone listening right now who's a woman who's saying, "Oh, that's not true," you know. But it's different reasons. I had right. a girl that I dated in the past. You know, she she told me hey, I, at one point I struggled with this. And I asked her. I said, "Well, why?" Is it because you were just you just want to look at a hot guy? And the reasons were not because of that. They were different no. reasons. It wasn't because it was a physical thing. It was deeper than that. Mm-hmm. It was a different reason yeah. altogether. So even the reason well, that women have their own versions of right. porn too. It's not right. always the videos and the the actual f- f- sure. site things. Fabio. I'm gonna, no, I'm going no, to call out women. <laughs> I'm, going there. I'm saying going it. The Bachelor. Just I'm going to call out women who read romance novels because oh my goodness that is a i see people talking about this a lot and i think it's something that is basically the female version of it because it gives you this 
And because it's more emotional, reading a book just somehow is more emotional for satisfying for women than watching a video. And it fills that void, whatever void you think you have in your life, mm. like the videos do for men. Mm. So I'm going to venture to say that those romance novels, specifically the non-Christian ones, I'm not talking about like Christian romance novels I have a whole other theory about that and just how <laughs> they build up this ideal that's not realistic. But um, it's the secular romance novels that are, there's sex. Well, in it's, it's emotional the, porn, right? That's kind of yes. what it is. It's no, like, because... This is manufactured. It's made in, in a lab. It's in a, you know, someone created this to work this way. Somebody wrote the book. Right, and, and it tugs at my heartstrings in a certain way where I wish that my spouse or husband was this way, right? Or something like oh, that. Oh, there's sex scenes you described know? in the book, Also too, sex scenes, but, you know... For well, those look, of you that haven't read look them. Look at Fifty Shades of Grey, right? That was oh, a yeah. huge book that right. so many women just fell in love with. it was a movie. Right, exactly. So, yeah, there's definitely different versions. And there's plenty more like that on your grocery store shelves yeah no, for sure and the lonely housewife or the lonely whoever is picking them up and reading them and i'm gonna call us out because it's it's pornography too it's mm-hmm. it's addictive too yeah and it's just as wrong as the videos um but we don't understand the videos because we're not visually wired the way the guys are you're saying that that our bodies are not attractive, like our chest hair and our back hair and our butt hair, and you girls don't like that kind of stuff. And our bellies, our beautiful beer bellies. Continue, please. I'm just saying. You know, like, how can women not find that attractive? You know? I got a six pack under this kegger right here, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, but no, I understand that. You know, that makes that makes it. What you say makes a ton of sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it can be. I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, I just feel like like the the act of watching two people have sex on camera, like it just is like you said, man. It's just really like a bad idea because it leads to all these other things. Even if it's not, even if you're not necessarily even comparing it to your spouse, it just puts these thoughts in your head, right? That are so unrealistic that yep. accidentally even bleed over. I think about when I first started uh, dating Sarah. Even though I knew that life was on a Disney movie, right? And even though I knew it was all fake, I still found myself having expectations put on Sarah, even though I knew that they were And you're realistic. not even married yet. We right. didn't get married, exactly. and it's so much more not what you thought it was going right. to be. Right, and that's a prime example of me knowing in my head, oh, I know that movies aren't realistic, yet I'm finding myself catching myself saying, whoa, Tim, like, you need to slow down because you got this from a movie that you know is fake, yet your mind still bought it, right? Because so, we believe what we see. Right. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So even though, like, I think men and boys and even, you know, whatever, women, they know that pornography or the romance novels are fake, They their mind still buys into that as like, well, no, this is like some kind of expectation you can have for whatever it is. We are, if you guys can believe it really quick, it's almost an hour. We're almost like an hour <laughs> in. I know. I told you, time flies by on the podcast. You just blink your eyes and you're done. But I want to shift gears slightly a little bit. I want to go even a little further down the road here. Um, and you guys can feel free to answer this however you want. I'm going to put you on the <laughs> spot, though. When it comes to you know being married, being able to be intimate with your wife and husband, all that kind of stuff, how has has porn really affected that for you guys? Like, was that like a big struggle you had to overcome? Like, man, I didn't even know that my mind bought into this so much. It's, it's really a problem now when it comes to intimacy. I think for me... At first it was, 
You know, because like, you know, when when we got married, when we were first married, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I want this, I want that, I want this. And she was like, um, no. No. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, wait, what? You don't do that? And she's like, um, no. Expectations (laughs) crushed. Oh, no. Guys, uh, for everyone on the podcast, the microphone. Okay, so let me hold on, let me talk for a second. We have this microphone in the middle of a table because of our technical issues on a, on a box inside of a jar, and the whole thing just fell over. So sorry about that, but so we're all yeah, expectations crushed. Got yeah, it. I mean, and it just from but from that point on though, it's just been. It, it's been awesome to be to see how. How we've become in, in, more intimate, not just with the physical intimacy, sure. but with with the emotional and the spiritual intimacy, the the intellectual <laughs> intimacy. <laughs> That's okay. more on her end than mine. But anyway, <laughs> right, right. Um, but I mean, it's 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 more than just that now. You know, I mean, I it, think it ties back to what we were talking about before, as the fact that you were all honest and upfront about it. Because mm-hmm. if there wasn't that honesty it would have affected our life in so many other ways Mm. i think it would have definitely put a wall up but because he's been honest it's not really i don't think it's really hindered it it's great much well i also think too that that there's a big difference right between lust and love right Mm -hmm. so like porn is all about lust which Mm -hmm. is really on the surface like this you know especially in in, in a mind how much it can build something up to be this great Mm -hmm. thing of course it's so empty you know at the end of the day there's nothing there but love like actual physical intimacy with someone that you're committed to for life that's a much more gratifying experience it has to be i would imagine it because there's so many more things connected than just the physical aspect you know the souls are connected the minds are connected the Mm -hmm. hearts are connected there are so many more connections being made on top of that physical uh connection while pornography is just strictly just really the physical and it's what you can ever have that's the that's the craziest thing about porn is that even if you were to find yourself in a in a situation that you saw in porn it wouldn't be that because it's real Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like it's real. And so it would never work out that way because it's scripted. Pornography is completely scripted. Everything is fake. There's not oh, one yeah. thing that's, you know, that is impromptu about it. But in real life, it's not that way. You know, like I think about, you know, there are just certain things in porn that, you know, like, well, this is just really whatever in it was. In real you life, know, your so... six-year-old knocks on the door. Right. Exactly. Right. Knocks on the door. Right. Exactly. Exactly right. Or What you know, are you doing? You know, porn always. Go back to bed. Porn so often depicts sex as just like this, like, you know, like crazy, passionate, like nonstop, like fiasco, just going, going, going. But it's not like that in real life. It never will be. It never will be. Even in those, what you would see as like an impromptu moment, it really isn't that impromptu. So it's just interesting because, and I'm glad to hear that, you know, even in the midst of like having these struggles, it is possible for someone to to kind of be reconciled from those things and kind of be healed from those things because uh, we both, I mean, I know people for sure that have struggled with pornography and it's really affected their marriage because I think, like you said, Michelle, so much was hidden. And I think it's because yep. a mix of guys are cowards and don't want to admit it and they don't, want, the they don't want their wife or fiance to see this side of them because maybe they know that their fiance or wife or girl 
girlfriend can't handle it. So they're and their wife's insecure. So it kind of feeds itself. You know, well, I don't want to tell her because she'll freak out. Well, I don't almost don't want to know because I don't want to feel insecure about myself. Mm-hmm. And until that stuff kind of gets brought out into light, even though it really sucks and it's probably extremely painful, it's got to be a horrific conversation to have. It's it's mm-hmm. the beginning of healing, right? Like you can't start mm-hmm. healing until that wound is wide open and sterile before, mm-hmm. and then sewn back up. Instead, it's yeah. just kind of like, well, no one can see this. I'm not going to address what's going Meanwhile, on here. While you're gushing blood. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, Absolutely. yeah. He, for us, because he told told me before we were even married, if he waited till after we were married, it, it would be different. Yeah. But because he was told me before we were married, kind of almost gave me the, if you want out, now's your kind of your last chance kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. If you want, if, if, um, so, but I knew that it was going to be a struggle. I knew it wasn't something that was going to go away. So it was a decision. It was a conscious decision to walk through. Has it been easy? No. Believe me, there's many times where I've been really, really ticked off at him. And like he said, alluded to, it's a financial thing too, mm. because, um, the access he had was never the free stuff on my computer because I always kept my computer out of right. his, he, he was always password protected. Right. So it was on demand, which is not free. Right. And phone calls, phone and calls books and, and movie racked rentals. up so much money spent on this and debt and so much it's ridiculous and that's been one of the biggest struggles with our relationship because what's the one of the number one reason couples get divorced money money so <laughs> i'm broke <laughs> so the money issue has right. been harder in that respect than the intimacy because mm, yeah of the financial state we're in right the burdens because on. of a lot of it because of that not entirely I'm not going to blame him entirely for that we've all we both made bad decisions before we were together and we've both done things since we were married that were not the best financial decisions Um, I mean we bought a car that we ended up dumping so much money and it was absolutely ridiculous but stuff (laughs) like that yeah that, but that's like the icing on the cake. Like, and to boot, this was happening as well. It doesn't. It yeah. definitely doesn't help anything. Right. And it's like out of all the things that we're blowing money on, this is one of them. I can imagine right. that being a I, real point of tension. Frankly, I think what I had <laughs> said to him at one point to try to get him to realize because it was just tough, and I was like, "Do you realize that every time you're spending money on this, you are literally taking food out of our children's mouths?" Yeah. And I had to like help, like, I don't know if that, how that affected you at the time, but it was just, you had to see like, this is literally money that we need for other way more important things. And just my selfish gratification. Yeah. And that's where I think it is. A lot of men don't realize how selfish it is because it's not just money that they're taking away from their family. Um, It's time away from their family, whether it's just their wife or their kids too. Um, or it's something as I just read something the other day about one of the number one reasons that it causes problems is because guys are watching it at work and they end up losing their jobs because they're watching porn on a company computer and it's against policy and they lose their job and that adds on to the financial strain and one of the things I'm going to say for guys any of the guys that are out there listening to this 
you need if you come clean to your wife and you and you you tell her that you're struggling with these things and and everything else and you've had this conversation and everything one of the things that i've learned is that you need to let your wife be angry at you you need to let her vent you need to let her be angry at you you need to be okay with her telling you look tonight honey you need to sleep on the couch okay you need to let her to vent to be angry to be angry at you and everything and knowing that it she's she's not necessarily mad at you she's mad at your addiction and at how much it hurts her and everything you know it's not it's not just about us either as as guys you know they they're they're the other part in the story you know your spouse is the other part and you're in this together you know, it's not just about you. You need to let your spouse be angry with you. And I think that goes a long way into healing it at that moment. What would you say to the guys out there right now who have the mentality of, well, you know, I'm single. I'm not really married. I'll be married one day. But until then, you know, this kind of just helps take the edge off. I mean, do you think, you know, is that a realistic thing? Or is that like, dude, you need to cut it out now before it gets worse? you're basically having sex with someone else's wife. I mean, that's the way that I had to start looking at it. You know, that's somebody else's wife, you know, and if my... Or daughter. Or daughter. Yeah, that's or anything, yeah. Someone's daughter yeah, you're looking at. you know, and it's, you know, but, I mean, I, I had to start thinking about that a lot. I had to start saying, you know, she's not mine. Mm. Like, when I was single, I was, I had to start thinking, like, she's not mine. Mm. You know, even though I may like her and have a crush on her or whatever, she's not mine. There's no ring on her finger. There's no us living as a married couple or whatever. She's not mine. You know, that's someone else's wife. That's someone else, future wife, or that's someone else's daughter. And you know what? She's off limits, you know? And not that it always worked, but it was one of those things that really helped me get through because I know... If some dude's looking at my daughter when she gets to be of age, uh, they got a knuckle sandwich coming. <laughs> the first you know? words out of your mouth when she was born, she was born, was "I'm getting a base, I'm getting a gun." Yeah, sorry, <laughs> Daddy's buying a shotgun. <laughs> sorry, uh, absolutely. I mean, but, yeah. Has has having a daughter also put things in perspective for you now? Like, oh my gosh, like I have one. I know what that's like. I would go nuts if this was my daughter. It changed me a lot. I mean, having a kid changed me a lot in general but having a daughter and just knowing me being the guy that I am you know just saying to myself like wow I want to protect her at all cost and I want to keep her pure until her future spouse comes you know which isn't going to be till she's 47 but um, <laughs> you know she's 47 again yeah, there we go but I mean like I just I want to protect her and I know what guys think, you know, I, I am one, I was a teenage boy once, I know when the hormones start to rage and everything else. But uh, apparently she wants to marry some kid from camp and another kid from um, <laughs> church though, so. We're leaving the church. <laughs> <laughs> wow, well an hour and ten minutes has passed by if you can believe it, that's that's how much time flies in this podcast. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, this is, uh, this is, I think, a very needed uh, podcast to have because I think that there are probably a lot of people in earshot of this podcast, all like five of them, but you know, <laughs> the ones that do listen, I think that this is a thing that people need to know that they're not alone 
with this you know like this is yeah. it's in my head it's like it's time to come out of the shadows like listen we know yep. that most people women and men have seen porn a lot of men struggle with porn a lot of women are more and more struggling with some form of pornography or emotional porn it's just time to get this stuff out into light and just burn it because the more we hide it you know the more it's under the covers the more it's hidden the worse it's gonna get um, so let me ask you this question before we kind of wrap up. So where are you guys at now? Like, you know, you, you have this journey, you're still, you know, I've heard you say several times it's still a struggle, but have you found that what you guys have done as far as the safeguards in place, having the, having a daughter, growing as a couple, growing in your relationship with God, has that helped to kind of curve, uh, curve like where you've been compared, you know, to, to back then? It's... I'm sorry, go ahead, honey. I was going to say, he's definitely changed a lot. He's better than he used to be, but he still struggles um, all the time. And I still have to say no. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, I'm not typing in the code for this video or mm-hmm. whatever. And no, you can't have my phone. <laughs> and um, he still struggles, and it's still going to be a struggle for a long time all those things have helped um our our, both of our relationships with christ um all the safeguards that we put in place all the the prayer (laughs) all of it helps but it's probably not ever going to go away completely um as long as he is living and breathing (laughs) Uh, it's probably going to be a struggle to some degree. Unless God graciously decides to completely remove it from his life, it's going to be a struggle. When you say struggle, I mean, as in, I'm going to always struggle with that temptation as well, but I think it's a little bit different, right? Because we're talking about, um, Manny, even, you know, just what you were saying earlier that, you know, yeah, this has been like, not just a struggle, like I've, you know, this is something I've been giving into for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. So do you think that, I mean... your desire, obviously, would be to turn off the light switch, so to speak. Like, I just turn the switch off so I never have this desire ever again. I mean, that's a lot of guys' you know, prayers, but it's not how we're wired, right? And so, in your mind is, you know, I, I think that no matter who you are, you're always going to struggle with some form of this because of the society we live in. It's always going to be a temptation. It's a temptation in my mind, you know, for sure. I know it's a temptation in Jordan's mind because he's a guy. I don't then He doesn't have to tell me that for me to know that. You know, just mm-hmm. I know that that's something that guys... And people really are going to struggle with. But for you guys, do you think that that is your, you know, it seems like you're on a path to getting more and more to just struggling and not so much the giving in part. You know, is that your end goal? It's like, listen, I know I'm going to struggle with this. I, I know. I'm a guy. I, I've been wired this way for really since I was five years old. I know it's going to be a struggle. But, you know, I want to get to a point where it's just a struggle, not something that I have to consistently confess, 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 that, hey, I did it again, I did it again. Is that kind of where you want to get to? Is that, is that your end game? That's where I want to be. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, like I said, I, I, I would definitely love for God to take this away from me. Sure. You know, and and everything. But, I mean, I, I want to, it's going to sound weird, but I want to be to the point where I'm just struggling with it because that way I can still be pointed to the cross. I can still be pointed to him and I can, I can look back and say, you know what, this is where, this is where I really gave, gave this over to God and everything. And, and it's just a constant reminder about for me, how much grace I'm under, how much undeserved help that I get. You know, I don't deserve any help from God. I am a sinful mess of a human being and I don't deserve any help 
I deserve death. That's what I deserve. You know, and he graciously has given me life. He has been merciful in my life to the point where I don't have any diseases from this that I I didn't go to places, mm. you know, when the, that desire hit hard, you know, he's been merciful to the point where he allowed me to marry the most amazing woman I've ever met in my life. Mm. And he's just been so gracious and merciful to the point where I have, I can't do anything but cry and fall on my knees and just thank God. Well, that's awesome for sure. Man. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to wrap that up, you know, like how do you stop this that's kind of it. conversation, you know, but I think, I think that's a good, a good seal. Um, Manny and Michelle, thank you for coming on the podcast and just being really open and vulnerable to really whoever listens to this podcast. I mean, I think that, that, you know, Manny, you were saying earlier how your goal is to be able to share your story to help out other men. I think this is quite possibly a great way to start doing that, you know? So thank you for coming on. And Michelle, thank you for coming on and just being honest about, yep, this is what we're going through. This is the struggles we have. This is how it started. This is where we're at. Um, that authenticity, I think, is just sorely lacking um, with a lot of us, with Christians, not Christians. It's just one of those things. You know, we, we want to hide behind the Facebook post. We want to hide behind, you know, the, you know, the illusion of, oh, our life is a success on Instagram. But really, people are people, you know, they still struggle <laughs> with stuff. So I, I, I really applaud you guys for coming on and talking about this. It, it was really great. And I'm excited to post this and have people listen and get their feedback. So thank you so much guys for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Glad we can help. Great. Well, everyone, that's all the time we have for uh, all hour and 15 minutes of it, one of our longer episodes. But thanks so much for, for just listening to the podcast. Um, if you like it, please subscribe and listen and share it. Um, this is what we love to do, just have these converse, uh, kinds of conversations. So this is the end of our four-part four series on just dating and Christian marriage and sex and all that good stuff. Well, that, all that stuff, I should say. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks so much. <laughs> what, what's so funny about that? All right. Anyway, anyway. move on. Um, <laughs> thanks again, guys, for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, we will talk to you soon. Have a great night. I felt a whisper on the back of my neck in a cool breeze. It said, good job, my faithful servant. <laughs>